Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, Arise, Shine, for Thy Light is Come. It shall be focused on the study of Isaiah chapter 60. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that as we see darkness covering the earth and gross darkness the people, we thank Thee, Lord, that You, as You promised, You have arisen upon us and Your glory has been seen upon us. And that, Lord, we, the Gentiles, have come to Your light that You've given us in this last day, turning our hearts back to the hearts of our fathers, that through, Lord, worshiping Thee and through the Holy Spirit and being filled of Thy Spirit, Pray, Father, as you promised, knowing that you said you shall be with us, even in us, to the end of the world. Help us to manifest the life that you've put in us, and help us to remove ourselves out of the way that you may be out. You might have the full right of way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Isaiah chapter sixty. Chapter sixty. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see, all they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see, and flow together, and thine heart shall fear, and be enlarged. Because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee, the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these that fly as a cloud, and as the doves to their windows? Surely the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish first, to bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of the Lord thy God, and to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. And the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls, and their king shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually, they shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. The glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet, and they shall call thee the city of the Lord the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, 
I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breast of kings, and thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood brass, and for stones iron. I will also make thy officers peace, and thine exactors righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham, titled, God's Word Calls for Total Separation from Unbelief. This was preached in 1964 on January the 21st. We'll begin at paragraph 9 up to paragraph 63. I trust you find it to be a blessing. God never speaks a word unless he's got a reason for speaking that word. He's not like you and I, that we just, or especially myself, that speaks so many foolish things. God speaks every word with a meaning and something that he's trying to achieve and will achieve by his word. And it will perform exactly what he said it will do. Now, if God said, let there be light and there was no light, then that, that, isn't, uh, that wasn't God that said that. When God says anything, he must back up what he says. Yes. And when the word of God has been vindicated, the word been vindicated, that is light. Now, the word itself is light until it's a vindicated light. If God said, let there be light and there was no light, then it wasn't the word of God. But when light sprung upon the earth, that showed the word was vindicated and it was light. Now, today, if God has made a promise, and when that promise is vindicated, then that is light. That's the light of the day when the word is vindicated. The word for the hour is vindicated. Then God was going to have an earth that he was going to grow vegetation and have people up on the earth. And then he spoke and separated the waters from the sea. Then also he separated in Genesis, life from death. Now, if we believe the word of God, it is the word of life to us. Right. But if we question the word of God, it's death to us. For God has spoken, who can deny it? And if we question the word of God, then it becomes death. Like Eve. Now, Eve question one little phase of God's word. And what did it do? Caused all this trouble that we have. If she would remain 
behind the word fortified, behind the word, the whole armor of God, and not disbelieved it, then it would have never had the way it has. It never been this way. But you see, there came death. Then God also had an atonement, being merciful to us. He accepted a substitute death for their death, which both he separated life from death also in the Garden of Eden, and he did it by his word. And today he does the same thing. When we're in gross darkness, as I spoke on Sunday, darkness upon the land, upon the people in gross darkness, in the midst of all of this, he's still speaking his word of life to those who want to believe it. And now we find that if um, Jesus has constantly told us that there's a separation, and we find that the last thing that's predicted to the human race before the great final day when we ascend into the presence of God, there will be a final separation. He will separate the sheep from the goats. God will continually has been separating, separating. And that's what he's doing tonight. It's what he always does. You can see it in every meeting. He separates faith from unbelief. He speaks out. He declares himself to those who will believe him, have faith in him. Now we find out in Numbers, the sixth chapter, that a Nazarite's call, a Nazarite call was to separate themselves from all the world to the Word of God. Now that is a Nazarite call, separated. We find out that Samson was a Nazarite unto the Lord, and he was separated from the, uh, uh, by a sign. And this sign was that he was to wear his hair long with seven locks. It was a, a sign of separation, that he was called for a purpose. And I don't want to get started on this, because I said that it, I was just going to speak a few minutes. But I think today when we see our sisters wearing long hair, as the Bible said they should, I think it's a Nazarite sign that they want to follow the Lord. I know that sounds flat, and I, I, I want it to go home, see, because it is. It looks like somebody is trying to, to do, keep a, uh, something that God told them to do. No matter what the price the world uh, has to say about it out there, how many scornful or laughers or critics, that doesn't bother a person that's totally separated from the things of the world to the things of God. They'll obey the word and separate themselves from the things of the world because the word separates them. I know they stand criticism, but if we wasn't criticized, then there'd be something wrong. The world always knows its own. But as I've said, that remember, criticism on the count of the word of God is only growing pains of his grace. It shows that you have separated yourself uh, to be a Christian, to act like one, to live like one, to obey every commandment of God. And it's a, it's a Nazarite vow to separate a call from God that separates you from the things of the world. I believe tonight that every man and woman, every boy and girl that's born of the Spirit of God is a Nazarite unto the Lord. Amen. Because they have separated them things themselves from the cares of the world. And whatever the world's got to say, 
You live in this city here where there's great schools and, and we see our nation calling for higher standard of education, which is all right, nothing to say about that. But that education cannot give you salvation. Right. A scientist can split a grain of wheat and tell you how many different uh, chemicals is in it, but it can't find the life that's in there. An education can learn you or teach you mathematics and, and it can teach you history and whatever more, but it cannot bring life to you. Your education will not do that. Right. God has one way of bringing life to you. That's when you're ready to separate yourself from all the things of the world and all the, the cares of the world and clean only to God's promised word. Paul was a Nazarite unto the Lord. He was separated from his orthodox church to the word of the living God. Aaron was a Nazarite unto the Lord. He was separated from among the brethren to bear the birth stones and to be the high priest. It is a total separation. We're not to go back into the world no more or have anything to do with the world, but cleave only unto God. Jesus is coming after a bride. A woman, a church that's separated from the things of the world or the cares of the world. She's separated from the fashions of this modern age that we live in. She's separated from the, the cares and the traditions of churches. She's separated only to God and God is the word. And his husband and wife is one, so does the bride and the word become one for the words living to the bride. That's how, that's her credentials. That's her identification. If I could pull out a, a PhD or LLD and show you my credentials from certain organization or from some school, that school would recognize that credential. But the only credential that a believer has is the Word of God living in him, declaring Jesus Christ lives in that person. That's right. That's a separated Nazarite unto the Lord. Separated for the Word's sake. The Bible said the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting to the sunder and the mire of the bone, and discerns the thought that's in the heart. That's the reason Jesus could look upon the people and perceive what they were thinking. He was the Word. Now the first Adam that was born in the world, or not born, but created by God, the first Adam separated himself from the Word to his wife. Now, he could have stayed with the Word if he wished to, but he separated himself from the Word to be with his wife. That's exactly what the common, carnal church member does today. Separates themselves from the true living Word to hold to their church. Or the Eve put a question upon the word whether God would punish or not. Satan put the question. Eve believed it. And then when the church today puts a question upon the word, is he the same? Does he still uh, live in his church and per, uh, perform his signs and miracles that he did when he was here on earth, which he so Surely promises in St. John 14, 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Amen. Even greater than this shall he do, for I go to my Father. 
These signs shall follow them that believe. Shall follow them. The question is, to the people today, does he really mean it? And when you accept what the church says, does he really mean it? Then you put yourself in the same condition that Adam did and join yourself with the the woman of the church of the, this world and separate yourself from the blessings that God has promised to every believer that would separate himself from the world to the word. Now that's the truth. We are, have had the privilege of living in the day that when the word of God that we've seen is lauded through each age for certain things to happen. And when this is lauded, sometimes the man wonder how it's going to be done. Professors have their own idea. But in them ages, God has always set forth his prophet. And the word of the Lord comes to the prophet and vindicates the word to that generation. And the prophets is always the Nazarite, separated from everything else to obey the word of God. Do you remember what Peter and John said? Is it right for us to obey man or God? When they questioned them about the experience of Pentecost. Now, the first man separated himself, the first Adam, from the word to go with his wife that questioned whether God kept his word or not. What a perfect type of the lukewarm, carnal-minded believer today that still wants to cling with what the tradition says instead of taking what the word says. That's it. A very real type. He was separated to his wife. The carnal believer is separated from the word to the church. But when the second Adam was created in the womb of a woman and came to the world, he was a Nazarite to the word of God. He was separated from the world to the word. Now, Hebrews, the seventh chapter, 26 verse, tells us that. That them priests continually died. But this Jesus is holy and separated from sinners. Sin is unbelief. There was no unbelief found in him nowhere. When he was here on earth, he said, who can condemn me of sin? Sin is unbelief. If I haven't done just what was prophesied for this age, if I haven't met the requirements of what Messiah is supposed to do, then don't believe me. said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that testify of me. Tell you who he is. Because it had been prophesied since Eden. That there would come a savior. The prophet said he'd be born of a virgin. And how that he'd be called Emmanuel. And also he was a counselor, the prince of peace. Mighty God. And that's what they accused him of making himself God. He was God. Amen. And he was the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, and the everlasting Father. There's no other Father but Him, spiritually speaking. He's the only Father, the Father of us all. And we find all believers He's the Father of. All who will believe His Word. For He was completely separated from the church, from His traditions, from His mother, from the world, and only did that which pleased the Father. Now, he was a different person from Adam. No matter what anybody questioned, to him the word, it was the word always first. And he proved that the word was right. When Satan tried to 
whitewashed it for him and said, it's written. He said, yes, and it's also written. He withstood Satan upon the word because that's what he was, the word. In the Bible, uh, 1 John, St. John, the first chapter said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's always a connection with the spoken word of God. God's promise for the day. And when it comes, it's so unusual that people can hardly grasp it. Because we're so sowed into to forms and ideas of our own. That it's hard for us to grasp what's truth. I think much of that would apply to, to Joseph in the days of of the the uh, uh, Mary in her maternity, she she was to be mother, and Joseph loved her, and he he wanted to believe. He was a righteous man, a good man, and he wanted to believe that story that Mary was telling him. But still, there was a question that now she's a good woman. No doubt, Mary had explained to him the visit of Gabriel to her, and. He was a just man and the lineage of David. And yet her, it looked like that she was trying to use him for a shield to take off her reproach because if she was engaged to him and to be found in this condition was the same as adultery, Deuteronomy tells us so, and would be stoned for the act. And it looked like that she was using him for a shield and the man, a good man, a just man, the Bible said he was, a just man. But her case was so unusual that he could not grasp it. He would look in her lovely face and the sincerity and honesty that she would tell her story in. And no doubt, but he'd go to his home or his carpenter shop say, I, I just can't see how she would tell me wrong. But the case is so unusual if he would have only searched the scriptures that a virgin is to conceive. See, it was so unusual to him because it was out of the line of his thinking. But she is exactly in the scripture. And so is it today, brethren, that the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his promised word of this hour is so unusual, good man, stumble over it. It's too unusual. They say that the dead was raised up. The blind see. The deaf hear. The Holy Spirit discerns the thoughts. Foretells things that's coming to pass. Never fail at one time. Or they, they can't, can't grasp it. It's so unusual. So they, they uh, say, well, it's a telepathy or it's an evil spirit just like they did in that day. The unusualness of the Word of God. But when a man is born in the world for an a believer, he becomes a Nazarite when he separates himself from anything that's contrary to the Word. A total separation. Jesus said, I come to separate a man from his wife. Tear up a family. And he that won't uh, take up his cross and follow me is not worthy to be called mine. A separation from everything. Anything from church, from from a community, from a belief, or from family, or anything. 
that would stand between you and believing the entire Word of God if your soul will not punctuate every promise for this hour with an amen, there's something wrong somewhere. You need a separation. So Jesus was the Word made flesh. And He was completely separated from sinners, unbelievers. That the Word itself flowed completely and, and thoroughly flew through Him. That He said, I do nothing until I see the Father do it first. They just asked Him, questioned Him about things. He said, Verily I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in Himself, but what He sees the Father doing. Watch. Everything that He said was perfect. Just, he had not to ask about it, think about it. It was perfect. And his perfect truth always separated the truth from error. Even as I quote back again and again, his mother said, Thy father and I, before those priests that should already testify it was a virgin-born son. But in the moments of her grief, how could a 12-year-old boy, and we have no record of him even being in school, how could his intelligence be so great as to debate with the priest? Sage learned man. And why, when she called that this Joseph was his father, quickly the Word of God, he was separated. He was the Word. And the Word corrected the error. Know ye not that I must be about my father's business. That was not just that little 12-year-old boy. That was the Word of God speaking through his little childish mouth to correct error separating like he did in the beginning darkness from light alive from the truth death from life it's a separation always a word requires total and complete separation regardless Jesus said let every man's word be alive let mine be true as we get towards the end of this episode we'll end with a word of prayer Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, and we thank Thee, Lord, that Thy Word is true, and we pray for the words that we've heard today. May You take them, and may You place them into our hearts, and then they spring forth to everlasting life, and may You weed out all the cares of this life, that we may be able to serve You with a single heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Mm-hmm.